Did I hang in there? That Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Welcome to The Smiley Show. Let's get right to it with the most recent winner on the PGA Tour, Pride of North Alabama, Mr. Lee Hodges. How we doing, man? Did uh, we get any sleep last night? Not a lot. Um, I tried to go to sleep, and then I was too jacked, so I kind of just stayed awake. But um, no, I'm sure at some point today I'll just crash, but feeling all right right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you're on cloud nine. I'm, have you gotten to uh, see how many text messages you've had? Have you had a chance to respond to everybody? Or are you kind of still working through all that? Yeah, I took that took like two hours this morning and just kind of replied to everybody. I think it was like 700 and something. So was um, it really? I actually worked through, I actually worked through them all. I, a lot of uh, just hearts, but I hope people know I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're the big man on campus right now. I mean, that's. It's pretty dang cool deal, man. You know, I've I've known you for a long time. Played golf UAB and then Alabama. Uh, you know, there's I think it's really cool what's happening in just the state of Alabama with with golf. You know, with Sep winning, you winning. You know, I've won on tour. You know, Trey's won on tour, and then you got all these up and comers coming up. It's really cool to see. I think just golf in Alabama, how strong it is right now. No doubt. I mean, yeah, Sep is playing as good as anybody in the world. I mean, Trey's an unbelievable talent. And then on the Corn Ferry, like Jack McGuire, he lives in Alabama now. He came in like 10th this week. And uh, MJ, Michael Johnson's been a top 20 machine this year, it feels like. And then you got kids like Dunlap coming up, who's an absolute stud. So, uh, yeah, Alabama has a lot of good golf going on right now. Yeah, we can't leave out Gordon Sargent on that list either. That yeah, can't... seriously, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, man, so you missed the cut at the Open Championship because I was just kind of trying to see where you're kind of trending heading into this week. I mean, did you did you see this coming this week, coming off a missed cut at the Open? Uh, it was just the prep Monday to Wednesday, just super solid. What kind of got you in this frame of mind winning by seven shots? Yeah, I, I mean, I played super well at the Scottish. I hit the ball really well and putted great. And then the Open, I like, I mean, I never played true links golf, you know. So I'll give myself a little bit of slack on that. This is, it was a big learning experience, um, which it was super fun, but I'm glad I had it. But I knew I was playing well. I knew I wasn't playing as bad as I played at the Open. Um, so, yeah, I was just happy to get home and play normal golf again and or my normal golf. And, um yeah, I had an awesome week of prep. Like, you know, every day I was like, man, I'm hitting it great. I'm making a lot of putts out there when we're playing some holes. And um, I knew it was, was going to be a good week if I just got out of my way and stayed aggressive. And it's kind of what I did all week. I mean, it's it's something about going from putting on slow greens and then getting on pure bent, which is what we grew up on. I mean, for you, probably you're just thinking, oh, I can make everything. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the greens that in Minnesota this week were unbelievable. Like even after the rain, like the golf course was soft and like you could really throw some darts out there, but the greens were unreal. Like they were fast and they were so smooth. Like if you got inside 20 feet, you thought this can go. So it yeah. was, they were awesome to put on. And Stephen Perrier, your coach and uh, is Marcus Potter still your uh, putting coach. Yep. I just kind of, I'm curious, what are the two things that y'all have been working on to where everything kind of clicked on both sides this week. Cause you've always been known for me to be a great ball striker and the putting, it seems like you've gotten better and better every single year on the PGA tour with the flat stick. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, me, me and Steven have been working 
since I was 11 now. So he's the only person I've ever taken a lesson from, you know, that's my guy. He knows, he knows my swing better than anybody's kind of built it from the ground up. So, um, you know, we had just worked on like getting, you know, when we're under pressure, sometimes I'll get the handle going out a little bit. And so I was really just focusing this week on getting the handle down so the head could square and kick out. And I did a good job of that all week. And then me and me and Marcus have really worked hard on the stroke. Um, first we started with the stroke and then now we feel like we have the stroke in a good spot. And, you know, we've started doing a lot of green reading this. Um, I think it's, called, it's Ralph Bauer. I don't know if you've seen that Marcus has really bought into that and has been teaching it to me. And man, I've loved it. Like it has been super, super helpful for me. Give me just the, the, like tell me, yeah, teach it to me like, like I'm five years old. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's aim point, but like a little bit different. Like you don't hold your fingers up. Um, it's just kind of like math almost like, so it's steps. So if let's say you had a, you have four steps to the hole and you're on a one degree slope. So you do your steps. So it's four steps times two minus one. And that's how you get a one degree slope. What? Yeah, dude. It's so good. It is so good. <laughs> so, I mean, you couldn't even be nervous out there because you're doing math the whole time. hundred percent. Like I'm not like, <laughs> You know, I'm like, okay, does my finger need to be here? Does it need to be there? Uh, I just steps times two minus one. And then if it's a two degree slope, you just whatever times it by two. And if it's three degree slope, it's times three. Whoa, man. All right. That's, Dialed, bro. Dialed. That's a, that's a different world, man. I, I've always been a pretty good green reader, but now I got to yeah. bring my calculator to work. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I mean, I, I get before the round, I, I work with my level a little bit just to know that my feet are right. And it's it's super helpful. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, what, what was it like sleeping on the lead every night? I mean, that's just the worst thing in the world, but it's also the best thing in the world. I totally agree. Like, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. It's first time. I mean, I had a co-lead at Amex, but that was a little different. Like I was just, you know, you're not leading by five. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome though. Like I would, I would do it every week, uh, but <laughs> super, yeah, I didn't get a lot of sleep, but I got, I got a lot of sleep, just not great sleep. If that makes sense. Like yeah. woke up a lot. <laughs> I hear you. What did your mindset change at all from what you learned from the American express in going into Sunday at the 3M? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think I had a two shot lead with nine holes left at Amex. And I just thought if I just make nine pars, I'll win. And that was, I would have lost by like four. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I stayed super aggressive on Sunday or yesterday. I mean, I, I mean, I hit two, three woods inside of 10 feet. So I, it's pretty aggressive, but, um, yeah, I just was, I, I thought I needed to shoot three under, I thought 23 would probably win. Yeah. And so I got to 24. So, you know, I did my goal of being aggressive. Where, where did those shots stand for you? The, the Eagles that you made on Sunday, this, was it two, three woods or is it one, three yeah. wood? Yeah. I mean, where, where three, is three that? Woods, exact same number. It was, it's wild though, man. It's like, seems like one of those things that happens when you win, like the exact same number and the exact same wind on both holes. Like, you know, that just doesn't happen much, but no, it doesn't. No, it was, it was awesome. I mean, and it was the, I just hit the exact same shot twice, just a high cut three wood and both of them just lasered right at it. Those are easily two of the best shots I've ever hit. I mean, you got to give credit probably to the perfect number. I mean, if it was maybe a yard or two off of bed meds, it's like, you know what? I'm going to give him that exact same number. First yeah, off, talk, true, to, yeah. talk to me about Andrew Medley, y'all's relationship, kind of growing up from the same, uh, or at least around the same area. Yeah, uh, He's the man. I just want to hear y'all's uh, just kind of how y'all came about, started to work together. 
you're right. I mean, Meds has been like a big brother to me. He's been awesome. Um, he comes to work every day and pushes me to be better, which is, which is what I like. You know, he's, he's never satisfied. Like yesterday he was super pumped. And then at the end of the day, he was like, Hey man, we gotta get right back on it. <laughs> and, uh, which was awesome. Like, that's kind of what I like to hear from him. Um, but no, so me and his, uh, little brother, James, uh, grew up being like really good friends playing golf all the time. Andrew's, you know, I don't think I, what are these 10 years older than me. So, um, mm-hmm. I didn't really know Andrew that much growing up cause he had already, he was already at Auburn and pro, but I grew up knowing about Andrew and knowing how good of a golfer he was. And, um, yeah, when the opportunity came for us to work together, you know, I jumped at it and it's been, it's been a great partnership. He's helped me tremendously over the last year and a half that he's been working for me and we've been working together and yeah, I, I uh, he's awesome. It's just too bad. He's a, just a massive Auburn fan, huh? Yeah, that's his only flaw is he's just such a bug. <laughs> oh God. He's he really is the best, man. And you're right. He's gonna tell you how it is. If you're if you're acting up, he'll tell you about it. Which is good to have though, you know? No doubt, man. Like he's like if I'm doing something and I, you know, or if I'm not focused in, he's like, Hey man, are we gonna work today? That's are we gonna work today. <laughs> I love that so much. God, big meds. So is there a worse hole? to finish to try to get your first win on than the 18th at the 3M. I mean, I, you kind of talked about that handle, making sure that club face score squared up. How much were you thinking about that on that hole and that tee shot? I mean, I've seen some crazy things happen on that 18th hole. No doubt. I mean, yeah, I had a three shot lead, which anywhere else you're like, it's over, but there you're like, Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, make a mess of it. Oh, like, I was just trying to hit it in the left. Honestly, I thought the way we played it would have been the smart play because where that pin was, it was such an easy wedge pin. Mm -hmm. If you were kind of just short of that bunker, you're going to have a gap wedge to a pin that had a huge back slope. So I was just trying to hit it in the left rough, to be honest, and then just chip it up there and wedge it on the green because I knew five was going to get it done because then Postman would have had to make a two. So I know. so I was like, yeah, I tried to hit in the left rough, and then I just kind of barely pulled it, and I was like, oh. And <laughs> yeah, that chip out was that chip out was probably the most nervous shot I had all week because really? I was like, man, if this goes in the rough, then we're really in trouble. But it came out perfect and worked out. Then you just stop a wedge up there and, and make birdie and win the thing. So. Man, you win the golf tournament. Now you're heading to the Masters. I mean, you got you're knocking on the door of the Tour Championship. You know, going into this year, did you picture all of that in your mind, kind of coming into this calendar season? I mean, I think you you do, but you don't really at the same time. You know, like you set goals, but you set lofty goals. And um, yeah, I mean, if, if I told you, if I was sat here and said, you know, I knew I was going to win on the PGA Tour, I'd be lying to you, like. There's, it's hard and there's a lot of really good players and um i feel super fortunate and I honestly i, I would have probably been more nervous at some point last week if i would have thought about playing in the masters but the first <laughs> time i even thought about it was on 18 i said something about like because my mom and dad weren't there so, and i told meds on 18 for while before i was playing i was like man i wish my mom and dad were here and he was like, it's all right, bud. They'll see you at Augusta. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Dude, you said the A word. You weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. I, and I was, yeah, I, that was wild. So, yeah, that would be super special. I mean, that's like, 
you know, a kid from Alabama, like, like, you know, you, like the masters is our thing, you know? So that's, um, yeah, I'm, I cannot wait. Man, it's going to be so awesome. I can't wait to watch you play there and uh, and really just kind of make a run towards the end of this this year. You're in a great position to finish it off. Uh, you know what? Are, I assume your goal is the rest of the season tour championship and maybe uh, keep knocking on the door of another one. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm just going to show up and try to do the same things I did this week. Um, stick to my process. Uh, yeah, I thought me and Andrew did a great job of really staying in just the next shot. Like I never, I did a really good job for probably the first time ever of not getting ahead of myself and just really focusing on whatever shot I had next. That was the only thing I was thinking about walking down the fairway was where I wanted to hit the next shot. And, um, yeah, I should probably try that more. <laughs> well, it's so difficult to do, but you manage it so well. You know, you won the event by seven shots, which has not been done since Rory won at the Canadian Open in 2019. So you're in rarefied air, my man. You uh, you did some incredible stuff, and, man, I'm proud of you, and I'm going to continue much. to cheer for you uh, and hopefully get to compete with you at the Wolf Snake Cup uh, later right. this year. <laughs> Maybe we'll be on the same team. <laughs> Maybe so. I got to figure out where my golf game's at. I don't know where I'm, I, I, I feel like I, I pick up the clubs every three weeks and then I got to figure out where I was at when I left off. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I'm playing with a little momentum when we get into that cup this year, yeah. but I'll take you as my partner any day. Let's do it, man. All right. Well, get you some rest and go get back to all those texts and enjoy your time off and get it. Uh, we'll be cheering for you the rest of the year. Thank you. Smiles. Appreciate it. Dude. Smiley. What's going on, man? I feel like, I feel like we're caught in like a very weird time warp sort of situation here. Like a, like a little bit of a twilight zone action. Like we had, we had so much going on for a couple of weeks heading into the open championship. You were overseas. We were both on very bizarre sleep schedules and then it, it was just very odd going back to just real life, big air quotes last week, you were still traveling and working, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like lost a little bit of juice last week, a little bit of jet lag on your end. Like, how are things? How are we doing? Oh man, I guess I don't really know where I am. Uh, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama currently, <laughs> but my mind is a thousand other places. It seems like I've, I've was at the Scottish open, then the open, and then was at the U S junior in Charleston this past week. So three weeks stretch of just, I mean, every single climate, I feel like I was in cold, wet, rainy, you know, windy, and then travel to Charleston, which could have been maybe the hottest place in the world uh, this past week. Yeah. It was hot everywhere, really, at wherever you were, if you were in the south. But, man, it was hot. Uh, and then, yeah, they didn't even finish the U.S. Junior yesterday, so had to finish that this morning. No good flight options, so then hopped in a car and drove seven hours. Yeah, but here and have a couple weeks off, so... Uh, hold on. I got to, uh, I got to move the lasagna. Hold on a sec. Oh, here we go. Smiley's back from lasagna duty. Big switch there. Had to get, had to get dinner going. Now that he's back. <laughs> How's the lasagna looking, dude? Uh, you know, it just took a little peek, had to take the uh, foil off and, uh, it, it's going to be a good situation tonight. I think I'm gonna get a little red wine going mm. and oh. I know I'm going to sleep well. That's one thing I will say. Yeah. It's really nice coming back, uh, from overseas is, that I'm on this incredible sleep schedule right now where I'm so tired at 8 p.m. I mean, that was kind of the case through mm. the entire deal with Anna Carter. But now kind of being on that sleep schedule where I can go to bed at, you know, legitimately 9 p.m. and be up ready to go at 
you know, 6 a.m. is awesome. I love being up early. I just get in bad habits at home and end up going to bed by midnight. And then I know I need to sleep and wake up at 8, 830 where I feel like I get so much accomplished when I wake up early. It's just it's a good mindset. I'm, I'm trying to wake up early. I'm so with you. I did. I was like trying to reset my, my clock a little bit for the open championship week. Cause I had to, I had to work okay. early for some hours. So I, I was, I was up at like 5am, like working out, you know, like just getting everything done for everyone's way. Cause like, dude, this is, this is kind of sick. If you can, if you can get out of bed instead of like, I'll just do doom scrolling for like 30 minutes at a time in bed. And then by the time it's, it's too late walkers up and I got to go do the whole routine in the morning. But if you could actually get out of bed, at like 5 a.m. and get stuff done. It's like it's it's like a cheat code. It's like a whole new world. It's like an extra it, it hour on the clock. World. It's amazing. Yeah. I I do the thing where you know I go check my emails uh in the morning. I'm yeah. not a good email guy. Uh hand up, not a good email person. But I go in there, do my emails, whatever there that you means. Go. You know, just the status gotta quo. Do your like, emails. Gotta go do my emails and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm terrible too with I'm like an HR nightmare, meaning Mm. I don't do well with like learning how to get onboarded in different things and like having new username, password things for different. It's yeah. So typically that's when I get home, I've been dealing with HR stuff. That's always just really fun. That's I'm saying, I think I still have expense reports from uh, RBC <laughs> heritage. I have to do. And I'm also like, I'm like bargaining with my supervisors, like, Hey, um, I worked this day, but I forgot to like log it as a, as a holiday worked, but like I have this day off that I want to take off in the future, but like, I don't know how to put that into work day properly to get, so can we just like call it even on the days? And, like, yeah. Like you're the worst, but just hey, please, like, call speaking it of serious XM, can I okay. please get off of the, the daily emails of, of the show wraps? I still get every email from the producer talking about oh, what happened in each man. show. Did and they not take you? I, 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 they did send an update. I reached out to my guy, Carlos Rojas. Like, I don't like know how I got on this email list. I don't like, I, I see enough golf stuff. I don't need to hear about the rundown of every serious XM show. <laughs> what I need to help you do is create an inbox rule. Are, are you, do you do inbox rules ever? Have you ever tried to do an inbox rule? You, Dude, you, I don't you just, email. Like I just said, like I, I don't. Right. You just said you're not an email guy. Yeah, that's what I. I have a folder where I send all of those, and I never read them ever. Um, that's what we need to do. We need to make a little inbox rule for you. I, I tried to get you off that list, but it looks like it was a, it's just too little, too late. Like they send another. They send these periodic update lists of here's the the BCC list. I should back up here for a second. So we send out show reports for every Sirius XM radio show that we do on a daily basis. Um, and uh, there are like, you know, six or seven of these a day that just clog your inbox up with just, you know, segment by segment, what we did. Um, ah, man, I don't want to go too hard on the show reports uh, on a Sirius XM podcast, but at the same time, like not the biggest fan in the world. So mm -hmm. the fact that you got to put on that list, uh, I feel for you. And I tried to make that. I tried to make the amendment. Well, I'll tell you what, if they're, if they're not taking you off, we'll work on an inbox rule. We will get that resolved. I promise. Okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I promise we'll get to, we got some golf stuff to talk about soon. We've got, we've got some, uh, we've got Jay Monahan back in the game. We've got a memo of his, we got to kind of run through that a little bit. Of course, we have to re recap the three M open Lee Hodges, big win. Um, have you been, have you been following this whole Barbie Oppenheimer 
craze? Have you, have you, what, um, what degree of in touch with that are you? Yes. Uh, Barbie seems to me that they did a really good job with the marketing campaign with that because mm, they did. I've seen it everywhere and I don't really have a desire to see it. Um, I definitely want to see Oppenheimer. Is that what it's called? Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I watched the trailer for like 30 seconds and most of the time when I see a trailer, I really like immediately I stop watching it because I don't want to know anything more. I just know, okay, I'm in, I'm going to watch that movie. Okay. But then somebody said the other day, it's like a three hour or something movie. And I said to myself, I don't got time for that. Like, how am I, I, my three hours away from the home will be on a golf course. It's not going to be in the movie theater. It will eventually come out and I will just have to wait to watch it here because I, I can't get out of the house for three hours to go to the movies. I'm still that people still go to the movies. That's, that's, that's the big shocker for me is like they're apparently that they're they're Barbie and Oppenheimer are breaking all these box office records. I wouldn't know because I'm not going, but it, it, it stuns me that I'm, I'm completely with you. And maybe it's because we have like young children at home. It's like, where do these people find the time outside of working, raising your children, trying to spend time with your wife, playing golf. I, I just, I'm not going to go to a movie theater. There's just, I, there's just no way. Have you not seen or been to the movie theaters now they've basically cut the theater in half with seats and they really? made them super comfy chairs and you can drink in them because they got the bars and you can also eat food which i think is disgusting because it's kind of dark in there and i'm just thinking of people eating a shrimp taco or nachos in there oh, wow. and just stuff everywhere it sounds like a nightmare to clean up but it's not I mean, just like popcorn and candy. Like we're it's, no, it's a no, whole it's, another it's, level now. It's it's double Tito's and baby back ribs, baby. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Golly, going to Barbie and eating a, a baby back uh, or a baby back ribs actually sounds like a pretty in, in, in the pitch black darkness. I mean, that sounds like a nice little uh, seriously. That's what I movies. picture when I think of the movie theaters now. It's like a <laughs> just a super comfy setup, double Tito's uh, vodka, and just barbecue sauce everywhere. With baby <laughs> back ribs, it's about it's about as good as it gets. Right, so, are, have you been to the movies recently? What's the last no, movie you went to? Probably the. Uh, I'm a sucker for anything Harry Potter related. I think I went to the oh, uh, the Grindelwald series. I can't remember okay. the uh, which one the last one was, but I think I went and saw that one. I still need to catch up on those. We're also we we rewatch all the Harry Potter movies. Every year, uh, we start at yeah, uh, right. right around Halloween, as you should, and then it's 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 a great tradition. Like my wife, like is adamant that they're Christmas movies, which that's also a hotly debated thing. <laughs> is it a Christmas movie or not? I feel like it's just a fall into winter movie. Uh, that's a podcast for another day. But um, oh, here's here's a Harry Potter bit. Okay, uh, when I was driving, uh, well, I was looking at driving from North Berwick yep. to uh, Liverpool for the Open. I had kind of a day off. I ended up going to Middleborough to play golf, the oldest course in the in the world, which was great. But besides that, I ended up looking to see if there were any sites that had had been filmed in the Harry Potter movies. So I was looking <laughs> to potentially be a tourist and go to like one of these castles wow. and, and see where they did Quidditch. Uh, I was so I you're like you're a full on Harry Potter guy. Like you're I all mean, the way in. Uh, is, is Fran? I've done the quizzes and stuff, you know, on the Google machine to see what uh, house is. I would be in, which turns out I'm a Hufflepuff, which I think is ridiculous. 
you um, actually you give you give off some Hufflepuff vibes, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I'm a Hufflepuff at heart, apparently. Uh, yeah, so I checked it out, uh, and there was nothing that was worth seeing on the route. So wow. ended up not doing anything, but still, yeah, big big Harry Potter guy. Have you been to Harry Potter World in Orlando? I think uh, maybe. I, I think I did okay. one year. Yes, I did because Bay Hill. I think this is probably on YouTube. The PGA Tour oh, wow. had me go ride one of those rides, and they filmed me doing it. And I didn't know that this ride was. It was like the Dungeons and something ride. And wow, I don't do great on those things. <laughs> and it was, yeah, I, I think. I was close to throwing up, but I don't know. It, it's got to be somewhere. I, I don't know. I got to look it up. I can't find it immediately, but that's that's going to have to be a deep dive. Uh, yeah, that's. I think it's like that whole. They have that whole connected set of theme parks down there in Orlando, not just the Disney ones as well. Uh, yeah, it was Universal. I lot to ask yeah, Francie. Yeah. I'm not. Okay. I can't remember. I think it was the tour though that was out there with us. Maybe they posted it on Facebook. I don't know. We'll have to check it out. Yeah, we're, we definitely need to check that out. And we also need to do, maybe we'll do like a Harry Potter special this year. Uh, that, that'd that be nice. You know, as fellow Potter guys. Ranking the uh, Harry Potter movies. That would be great. Yes, we need to. Because there there are good Harry Potter movies and there are terrible Harry Potter movies. Um, golly, okay, what was... Just the, give me your worst one, though. I, just, I need to know, like, what's your least favorite You know Harry what, Pond, let, let me pull up the list here because I, I pan this movie every year. Chamber of Secrets is a terrible movie, isn't it? I find that it was my favorite to watch, but when you go back and rewatch it, you, you try to find the magic the first time that you watched it, but you realize, yeah. man, it just isn't quite that good. Chamber Don't, of Secrets. That's that's the one with the basilisk where the yes, spoiler yes. alert. But yeah. That is a terrible, terrible movie. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, it was a really good book and I, I hate people that okay. always say that I didn't get past the Chamber of Secrets book. And it's because they just, I just didn't quite get, you know, I, I read two of them and I'm a movie guy. I didn't get quite, didn't get past that. But anyways, same way. Uh, I, Prisoner I was, of Azkaban was really Goblet of Fire. I loved Goblet of Fire. That was, yeah, that it's, was it's a, the best a, one. And it's a lot of juice in, in that movie. Yeah. We'll, we'll say that for another this, I loved it. Okay. All right. We're going to do a Harry Potter rankings. Uh, oh, made some news this week. Fired up. Fired up the triangle area of North Carolina in a big way. Cody <laughs> Brissetter, yeah. you had uh, both inside Carolina and uh, Pack Pride set a light. You love yeah, to see I lo- it. I love making the message boards because that was, you know, <laughs> I always check our message boards on, on LSU. Shout out on three, my boy Shay Dixon and Belly and Body keeping us informed on any <laughs> of the latest r- recruiting news at LSU. So that's uh, separate from Tiger Droppings. Tiger Droppings is a different uh, Tiger thing. Tiger Droppings is. Uh, it's it's where all the chaos happens. It's it's there's no such thing as a bad lead, and that's kind of where where that <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where you go for any any of that type of news. They sometimes have some insiders, but it's more craziness that happens there. The on three site okay. that I that I check out typically is always the good news, and or I mean it's just the proper news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, well anyway, I mean the Jacoby yeah, said in yeah, as as we saw, uh, and, and listen, I, I uh, we weren't trying to throw him under the bus. He was the one that not. said, you know, 
I was a UNC fan. I was like, man, does anybody know this? Cause like, I feel like that would be an issue when I think about Alabama and Auburn, if one of the best quarterbacks ever come through the program, that's still playing in the NFL, you got to think, you know what? That would be probably bad if they said they were an Auburn basketball fan. And I could see that be an issue. So, Bono, do we tell everybody, like for the people that haven't listened to the Jacoby interview, what what happened? Like, do we kind of do we give we, a synopsis of that? With the synopsis, well, we we should we certainly should. First of all, you should go listen to that episode if you haven't already. Second, secondly, the synopsis is basically uh, Smiley asked Jacoby if Florida was his dream school. And Jacoby Brissett, who played two years at Florida football there for two years and then transferred to NC State, uh, said, no, my dream school is actually North Carolina. I wanted to go play basketball there. Uh, And which that set off a whole investigation to Jacoby's, you know, high school basketball career. But then later on in the interview, you came back to it and said, well, hey, you know, uh, we'll have an interesting sort of quarterback room this year. The commanders, Sam Howell being Carolina guy, you being an NC State guy. But I just found out that you're actually a Carolina guy. Uh, do you, do you have any bets lined up? And then Jacoby went on to admit that on his recruiting trip to, uh, NC state, they took him to an NC state, North Carolina game. And he that was rooting for North was Carolina like too in depth. <laughs> just like, he, just, he, uh, it's, it's like the meme. Him. It's like when you let, it. when you let the intrusive thoughts win and that's, yeah. he probably could have kept that one in the memory bank, but he just, he gave us the bait and I was just dying laughing. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> continue, continue. Yeah. That was coming out the section where he talked about the group chat he has with a bunch of guys. You just basically tell him to tweet insane shit and yeah. then he does it. And then the internet just, <laughs> you uh, had me at hello, Jacoby. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, I mean, as a Carolina grad, I, I will say, uh, I, I very much enjoyed selecting that clip for social and uh, watching that ignite the internet. So, Hey, look, well done. Smiley. Good, very good little newsmaker run there. And uh, Jacoby, if you're listening, I don't even know that we're sorry. I just think, you know, I'm glad you said it and uh, just don't go on any pack pride message boards for a while. Maybe. <laughs> I'm to let that one. I want to lay low for a while. Um, what else to cover here? I mean, we can get to, We'll get, let's get to the memo next. I just got to tell you, dude, I am, I'm so broken putting. I'm so inside my own head. I think, I think here's where I'm at. I think I'm going to put hockey grip style with the jailbird at Cyprus this week. Do we like that or not? Have you not even sent me a video of your putting stroke? Cause like we can get this thing figured out pretty quick. Like, you know, this is like my expertise is looking at putting strokes. I can see it quickly. It's like, when somebody has an eye for a golf swing, I, I do now because I, I understand the golf swing way more than I used to, because unfortunately I went to a lot of swing coaches. So you kind of learn a lot of different <laughs> methods, but with putting, I feel like I have a really good eye. So you need to send me some vid. As soon as we get done with this, I'm going to send you video with all, I have like five putters sitting over there that I've tried different strokes away with. And I just, I need to get a figure. I will definitely do that. I need a face on angle and then, uh, down the line. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll get it sorted. I, I can, I can do that for you. Also, I think I'm going to hit PGA tour superstore tomorrow. Dude, don't go. A, I'm picking up a heaven wood. <laughs> I'm picking up a heaven wood. Oh, like a, like a seven wood. Yeah. Oh, or, like the old, the old school Callaway, like Heavenwood. Is that, they, is that what it was called? They, they called it the Heavenwood and they remade it. The pair, they have a paradigm Callaway paradigm Heavenwood. Yeah. It has so, like the arrow on, yes. on the well, wood. That's the, that's the old one. That was like the big Bertha. The lady bird. 
Was the that lady, right? Yeah. The ladybird. They had the warbird. They had the the warbird, great big yes. birth of the lady. But they had I had. I remember my grandma had these drivers, and this was like when we were still like seven or eight, and so we could use ladies flex shafts, and um, we would uh we would take her like great big birth or ladybird whatever, and I remember my brother uh snapped the shaft over his back one time, like he had like this is such a <laughs> such a recoil. Hey, it was like all right. I always I would grab my mom's clubs because she played in college when I was growing up because you want to grow out of your, your clubs as fast yeah. as you can and grab something that, that you can hit further. And, and the ladies clubs are great because they had wow. the extra flex and yeah. And so I would hit my mom's ladybird seven wood or Heatherwood, whatever it's called. Totally. Well that, cause like that, that going from a junior flex to ladies flex, like they, they're similar. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to kind of step up there anyway. So, um, all right, I'll send you putting stroke videos. We'll get it fixed because I, otherwise I, I will be putting hockey style at Cypress Point this weekend. And it's <laughs> nobody wants to see that. Uh, Is that. So you're talking like right hand way low, left hand up high. Yes. Like Spencer Levine, like not, not side saddle. You, you just... send me some video. We ain't doing that. <laughs> We're not doing that. Okay. All right. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, okay. Let's Let's get to Jay Monahan's memo uh, because because we we could not get here fast enough. Um, so interesting, like Jay's Jay's back in the saddle this week. Um, there are a lot of kind of you know there are eight kind of main points within this memo that were worth touching on. Um, I think the ones that would be of greatest interest to you or that are that are most worth investigating are um, so the first one is like the dual recommendation um of rewards for tour pros who stayed loyal to pga tour and the flip side of that is they're going to put together a task force to determine the viability of penalties for the live guys who are reapplying for membership uh phil mickelson when uh when reach for comment not really reach for comment when someone tweeted him a section about this uh he replied and said what a colossal waste of time not a single player on live wants to play pga tour it require public apology and restitution to live players for paying millions to clout media to disparage all of us a better topic is future sanctions for the many players who now come to live so stepping inside the mind of phil mickelson it's a dangerous place to be but there you have it um here's here's the thought that i think we've discussed a lot off air and like I just, I I can see a world in which guys who stayed loyal get paid a good sum of money and the guys at the top, like a lot of money. I I don't see a world in which you can penalize guys coming back from live because then, because that's right there. Like you're dead to rights on the antitrust thing. Cause you're basically telling the guys on live, um, you can either, you know, come back here and play here and be subject to these penalties or you have nowhere to play. Is that, is that like, do, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Like, what's your take on this entire thing? It just, it just seems like make-believe land. Like the, none right. of this just seems like it's actually going to happen. You know, <laughs> that's kind of where I stand on this, that it all sounds great. Looks great. Do you actually think this is actually all going to happen? I just think there's going to be another big blow up in all of this. And the fact that, that whether it's antitrust that we've kind of talked about, where this thing's going to blow up. And again, we're going to have the situation of, you know, PGA tour and live existing, uh, in kind of the same world we've been living in. So that's, that's kind of where I stand on this. I just have a hard time believing that there's going to be a PIF fund for guys that stayed loyal, which I think also is a little bit of BS too. You know, these guys have the same information 
they could have gone to live. They had all the same information. These guys that, 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 um, didn't go, I, I don't understand this loyalty thing. These guys made the decision to be on the PGA tour. I, I don't think the guys are going to just be able to waltz their way back onto the PGA tour. So, well, but, but, but I guess, I guess my, that's the whole, and I don't, I don't know if, if what they're, what Jay's trying to do in this memo is like an anchoring, anchoring, like a negotiating position where it's like, Hey, we're going to pay, we're going to pay rewards to the guys who stayed and we're determining a task force for to penalize the guys who are coming back. And in reality, they know that they cannot penalize the guys who are coming back because that's a clear antitrust violation. So, <laughs> so then, so that it becomes, okay, okay. We won't do the penalties, but the thing that we want to keep is paying, you know, some sort of restitution to the guys who stayed on tour. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I did. I want like, I just think what you clearly cannot do is like for all these guys saying, Oh, you know, we're, we're definitely, they're going to be sanctions for these guys who are reapplying for membership. You know, they're, they're not, it's like, you can't, there's, you can't do that because then, then you're, you're telling a guy who had two different marketplaces he could work in and, and who could leverage himself a fair value salary to play in whichever one of these places he wants to go. You're telling him, Hey, either, you know, you got to give up all this money and all this leverage and come play back here, or you have nowhere to play. Like that's like, that's antitrust one one It seems like. Yeah. And I don't want to get too deep into it. Cause it just gives me a <laughs> headache trying to, figure out what's going to happen and not going to happen. I think live is going to continue ex to exist. I think the PJ tour is going to continue to exist, whether they are taking players, not taking players. I, I I'm not sure if we're going to continue to live in that world where it's been just kind of chaos on who's staying, who's leaving. I kind of feel like the guys that have stayed on the PJ tour for the most part, aside from maybe a couple have made their decision. This is where I'm going to play. But man, it's, it's confusing. Uh, well, what about what if you like kind of to your point, let's say the whole thing, the whole negotiation breaks down, right? I think they'll get private equity, but is there enough, is there enough private equity money to compete with the $700 billion no, private wealth not, fund? But there's not, but it'll, it'll definitely make it to where I think the BJ tour is going to be able to operate in a, a, a way that makes the members feel like they're they're being paid properly close to what we've kind of been operating at in this 20 million dollar designated event deal i think yeah. that's I, dude go look at what i looked at what i was curious kind of what jt's made this year he's made three million dollars and he's Seventy he's not playing great by so i mean he would tell you the, the first person to tell you yeah i'm telling you three million dollars used to be top 10 in in yeah. uh and money, it's just it's it's enough money right now. If they can keep just at where they're at, it's enough money. They don't necessarily need the PIF. I know they they think they need it, but private equity probably would be the move, in my opinion. I just I just wonder how sustainable. I mean, like they I mean, if you are gonna believe what Ron Price and Jimmy Dunn told you in that in that congressional hearing, like they told you that that this current model, these current purses are unsustainable. And that that's why they had to kind of find a way to come to the table to figure out because they didn't have, you know, they dipped into the reserves this last year. And now, okay, they're helped by a couple of things. Like they, the litigation's now off the table. So they don't have to spend, you know, 50 million a year on litigating with the PIF. Um, and, and to your point, like if they find a good private equity partner, as was suggested as part of this hearing, okay, maybe they can make it semi-sustainable. I just don't, I just wonder how, 
long-term sustainable, it can be, I'm not trying to be a pessimist here, but I just feel like if you remove the moral barrier to going to live now, cause now you come to the table and negotiate. Yeah, we kept talking about that. That was yeah. something you and I had been on the whole time. Yeah. The, you're, you, you said, I think you said it first and you're dead, right? It's like now all these guys, whatever happens here, if, if, if this agreement doesn't happen, it's so easy for any of these guys who've been rumored a Rom, a Cantlay, a Shafley, like any of those guys to just say, cool. Like this is cl- all the stuff you objected to this, the grounds on which you objected before that's gone. If I want to make more money, I can go. And so then I think at a certain point, the, you know, the, the tour product gets so watered down that it's like really hard to then go to, uh, you know, broadcasters and sponsors and saying, Hey, we need all this extra money from you. So we can like have purses that are competitive with live. Um, and to keep these guys here and satisfied, like we need this, like, can you just do this out of the goodness of your heart? Because we're not going to return the value on this that we could in, in past years when we had more robust fields. So it's like, to me, it's like the only real long-term place where you're going to see all those guys together then becomes the majors. If they can work out a deal for, you know, eligibility and qualifying criteria that works for both leagues. But I just, I just feel like the, the, the tour almost is forced to figure out a way to make this deal work. Cause otherwise it's like guys can go to live without worrying about the moral deal. There's going to be more money there because there's no private equity that can match 700 billion in, in a, a private wealth fund. And it, like, it, it's just, it, oh, and they, and they removed the, the whole poaching, you know, provision, you know, with this most recent deal. Um, I think there were two other things in that memo that were interesting. One is they're going to create like a liaison position of sorts to keep the pack updated on the negotiation happening between the tour and the PIF. Like that's something where it feels like, I don't know how much information they're actually going to get from that liaison. But I, I think it's interesting that you heard, you know, I think Scotty Scheffler, I forget it was maybe at the Scottish press conference where he's like, yeah, I don't know anything about this and it's really frustrating. And so well, maybe that, let me ask you this, uh-huh. this framework that they operated on and yeah. that they have. And they said they were worried that it would, would not go through or break up. Would it have though, if they would have said like, Hey, we're going to go do this with this, just the members is that would have been the issue. They've just said, Hey, we don't want you to go talk to them. Or do you think there just been too much media scrutiny? Is that kind of, I could see a side. It's like, you know what? Like it, it may not even hold up. So what was the, I mean, you could have <laughs> I just, I, I could I see the other side of it. It's like, you could have probably gone and told somebody, but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing well, that wrong. I mean, I, I think, no, it's, it's, I think it's a really fair question to ask because the natural sort of explanation or rebuttal there would be like, well, we couldn't tell anyone because we had this whole like plan or strategy that we wanted to roll out to make all this, you know, come out seamlessly and perfectly. And so by, by telling you guys early, it could have leaked in the wrong way. And so, so then, so then so you're it, like, it's, okay, it's not a merger. <laughs> that's no, no, literally that's it. It's like the headline, the first thing you put out was wrong merges. It's, <laughs> like, like it's, it, fascinating to me how you can screw it up that bad <laughs> just i mean it, it, it's it's not even it, it's literally like your strategy was put out a memo that is 100 wrong and then do a cnbc interview and, and it's like i guess that's a strategy like i like and, and i understand that these things are difficult and time sensitive but like kind of to your point like i don't see what you would have lost by 
you know, telling the pack or, 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 you know, it could j- just, just so they feel like they're in the loop of like, Hey guys, we hammered out this deal. We're about to take it public. It's, it's moving fast. We don't have a ton of time for input. You know, we'd appreciate your discretion and not leaking this thing because we have a, a, a strategy outline, right? Here's the deal. Like, I don't think that could have hurt anybody that bad, especially when you, you see the back end of it. And it's like, well, that wasn't some brilliant calculated strategy that helped your case in any way. Right. And and I think the pack too over time has proven that they can operate with the PGA tour and, you know, operate in a way that they're not, they don't tell anybody they can, they have the secrecy, especially for the top players. They kind of keep it in an inner circle, especially with tight information. It very rarely will, will leak out when something's important. And I, I just think that there's been cases of, of that with, with guys in the, in the pack that, you know, really important stuff has come out that nobody knew about that they were able to keep a secret. That's, that's one piece of this memo. Another piece was, you know, again, with, with regard to 2024, uh, we're going to get that schedule on August the 8th, uh, on Tuesday, yeah, at, I'm excited at a player to see meeting. It. that'll be interesting, but because I don't know, cause I mean, I assume that 2024 live looks like a 2024 live like happens as planned. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it will. And, and that's kind of been the date, the target year that's been circled is 2025 yeah. is when we might see a lot of things change. So next year, I think we're going to see the beginning of some things to start getting into action uh, with the scheduling. So we'll see. I'm really excited to see it. Uh, I know a couple of things, but not the whole kid caboodle. Ooh, you care to, you care to give us a little tease. A little, I mean, it's, uh, it's so, it's so unimportant. Like it's just like, <laughs> like just a couple tournaments swapping with each other. It's not even that exciting. So the, it's not worth all. I'm not going to ruin this surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we heard, I think Jack Nicholas leaked a little bit uh, of the schedule changes at uh, the Honda classic this last year. Um, so we know like, you know, the, uh, I think the AT&T pro-am is going to be an elevated designated yep. event, whatever you want to call it. That's going to be a, just a two round pro-am just pebble and, yep. and spy. Um, so, and, and, and yeah, less I guys mean, I, like 70 dudes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the thing that's going to be intriguing to me is like if this if the the framework deal gets advanced to a full deal and that gets signed, you know, by the end of this year, it'll be interesting to like ha- Jay Monahan or whoever having a controlling you know interest in live and having those events directly compete with PGA Tour events. Like, I wonder if there's going to be any say and when the live dates land. <laughs> I just have a hard time believing that, man. That's, like, that's, you know. Jay- I can't see Jay and Greg Norman going through the live schedule and <laughs> just getting, making sure everything's all good. I, I just, I don't see how these two sides yeah. are going to be married. I still feel like, you know, the PIF is, and the live golf are just not, they uh, PIV obviously is funding the whole thing, but the people that run live golf, I feel like have different intentions of what the league is going to look like in the future. And I I expect it to be around for a long time. That's just my opinion, but who knows? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's again, we're, we're just guessing at this point, but it, it just seems, you know, so much of this is like, how is that going to actually make sense? If, if the agreement's going to come together in the way you guys are telling us is going to come together. And uh, the answer 
in, in short form might just be a lot of it's not going to make sense for a while. And uh, did you we'll see the get... Mbappe offer? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So people, it, it's funny. I saw a lot of the the golf writers tweeting out, "Oh, no chance that the Saudi Saudis could ruin our league." And then you see <laughs> offers like that thrown out, and golf just waving over here, say, "Hey." Good to see you. <laughs> Are you <laughs> or, new here? <laughs> well, how, about, how about like LeBron and Draymond, all these guys tweeting like, sign me up. I want to go play the Saudi league. Like to me, that that's, that's the part that just makes me laugh in this whole sort of scenario is like, we got told for like, we, I don't want to say gaslit, like obviously, ob- like the Saudi regime, you know, directly or indirectly has been involved with some terrible, terrible stuff. Like nobody is, nobody's disputing that or they're trying to like, you know, we're not here trying to sports wash for them, but it's just so wild to me that we spent a year being told how terrible it was, how we'd never do business with them, how, how it just on a moral principle, we cannot do it. And then now not only as a PGA tour at the table, negotiating with them, you have guys in other leagues that are like, sign me up. Like I'll go play in the South. Like you give me some Saudi money. You're like, what, like what planet am I living on right now? This it's is just, it's just so crazy. It's going to be just so difficult, man, for Jay to, uh, to, to remain the commissioner just because of that, man. I just don't see how he can stand up there and have the trust of everyone on the PGA tour. And, and unfortunately he may, have been the guy to, you know, he was just releasing the message that's been told to him and he might have to be the guy that falls on the sword. I just don't, I just don't see how he survives at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it will certainly be interesting and it'll be interesting to see who fills that power vacuum and what side of the fence they come from, you know, whether it's someone that's been in the PGA tour camp or someone from the PIF camp, not sure, but, um, I, I guess we'll see in the coming months. The, the last piece, and you already kind of touched on a little bit on that memo, is that rollback stuff. And um, Jason Gore uh, had some good sound on on SiriusX and PJ Tour this this week on on uh, New Breed of Golf, just talking about how they just can't support the proposal. And it's he and it's came from form. the USGA too. Yes, yeah. So well, he was the he was the player advisor for the SGA that really helped after the the issues they kept having at Shinnecock and just the course setups being wrong, losing the golf course. Jason Gore was hired. He was kind of the liaison between the players to make sure the golf course was right. And somebody that they knew they could trust PJ tour hires him now continue. Sorry. Just giving an update on Jason Gore. No, for- it's, it's amazing. And, and he even said it, he was like, look, the USGA, the RNA, like they're good partners, but we just can't support the current. We can't support that proposal. And, and to be fair to like everybody involved, that was the whole, like as, as, as much as this story has turned to USGA bad and, and they're worthy of criticism in a lot of ways, like when they introduced this, however many months ago, they're like, we're taking input and we're going to have a review period until August of this year or end of August, whatever, whatever the date was, I think it was mid August, maybe. And once we've collected all that input, then we're going to take, we're going to go back to the drawing board with all that. And then we're going to put something in place by 2026. And so this was, I guess, just the PGA tour officially publicly saying, here's your input. We're not going to do it as it currently stands. And, and, and so, I mean, I, I don't doubt that, 
you know, a guy like Jason Gore probably still has a lot of good relationships with the USGA can, you know, reach across the aisle and help broker whatever the next thing is. But I just wonder, like too many smart people have advocated for going about this in a different way. Adam Scott included on this show of like, can we talk about limiting like the, the, the number of CCs in a driver head and the size of the sweet spot on that. Like that feels like a much more sensible way. It's a no to go brainer. About this. It's yeah. it honestly is a no brainer because he said it best guys now go to the driver when they're nervous because it's the most forgiving club in their bag. That's all you need to hear. You don't need to roll back the golf ball. Just make the CCs less on the driver, make it tougher to hit, make guys question, you know, really just finding the sweet spot again <laughs> because yeah. the whole face is far giving if you will <laughs> it's, it's a little <laughs> bit too far giving if you ask me i mean i i think that it's it that makes a ton of sense because i i'm, I'm not trying to impose uh, expectations on my son here but you know out here i'm going to do it anyway like if little walker is growing up and he has ambitions of being a professional you know a, a professional golfer right and 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 he's going along and and it makes a lot more sense to me for him to be about 14 or 15 and saying, Hey Walker, uh, if you want to start playing in these elite tournaments, you can keep the, your bag, the exact same. You just got to pull that 460 CC driver out and, and play with the driver. that's 300 CCs or less. And, and everything else can be the exact way it is. So I've changed ball, anything then to say, Oh, Hey, um, you, all those balls, how you learn how to hit a, a cut and a draw and, and you learn how to spin them in a certain way and you learn all your carry yardages. Yeah. Uh, you got, you got to take all those, you got you use a different ball and you have to relearn everything, the way that ball behaves and, and, and the way you're going to kind of shape the ball, like all that. It just seems like so crazy to me that you would do that. And you would create that, that bifurcation that everyone seems to hate so much instead of just saying, Hey, if the, if the thing is, if what we're, where we're kind of getting in trouble is max distance. Let's just make the club. That's, that's the longest and the most forgiving in the bag, go a little bit shorter and be a little bit less forgiving and, and bring back longer approach shots and, and more of an, you know, artistry involved in those type of shots. It just, it just, it's like, it's, it's almost so simple that it's being overlooked. Yeah. I'm with you. I also do love a more forgiving driver. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get my hand up. I will say I do like getting yes. it straighter and being able to swing at it hard and it goes straight. But the other flip side of that is, okay, what then happens to the three wood? What then happens to yeah. the hybrid? It's all of the top of the clubs have to change then because three woods have been hot for 15 years now. Uh, it seems it's so difficult to find a three wood that's spinny enough because they all seem to have the hottest setup. To me, I used to hit three woods probably back in college. I was carrying three wood. It was like a 250 club. It really was. Mm -hmm. And now a three wood for me is my 280 club. And that's just technology. I don't think so I've just, changed does that Does the driver much. become a three wood? Is it is it that it's, simple? I I don't know how that works. I'm not a uh, a guy that would would give you a ton of knowledge on that. I just think, wouldn't the driver and the three would be the same in that situation, right? Like, I, I yeah. just like, what do you do the three would that that's different than the old three was? Is just the technology that much better, or the shafts that much better? I don't know if the CCs of a three would have changed that much. Cause I, I don't, I don't like a huge head on my three wood, even though I used to play those real small, skinny little three woods. Those things were sick, but yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. That's I think the the top of the bag, all of the uh, all of the hybrids, three woods drivers would then have to to kind of fit suit. I don't know how how that would all work, but I will say I I would expect the issue for all the players to have is that the golf ball would be too too firm for a smaller head in the fact they wouldn't be able to get the right launch conditions. And let's say they want to hit up on it. I don't expect the ball to spin enough. I think you would have very low spinning shots to the right, that it would be a nightmare to try to get the driver, a a new type of driver to fit this golf ball. Because I think the golf balls used to be a little spinnier and they were wound a little differently, probably 20, 15, 20 years ago. Now the technology of the golf ball is fitting the technology and the driver to maximize both. And you change the driver conditions, but keep the same ball set up. I think it would be difficult to kind of get that 2,400 spin. That is kind of the magic number that you try to get in, in the proper launch conditions of where guys like to see the window of a driver, even if you made it smaller. Uh, I think it would be a tricky challenge across the board for all manufacturers to get their golf ball to match up with the drivers. Well, just hearing you say that the first thing that comes to mind for me is that's how you reverse engineer the ball rollback deal is if you're saying, Hey, this is your max CC for your, for your new, your new driver head. <laughs> now and you gotta size, go change the ball though. Now you gotta so go change. What you do. No, that's what I'm saying is and you, you make them go do it. And, and if you want to, as a manufacturer, it's you so can much have money though. But but I I I think I think in in a way it's like hey we're not going to roll back the ball we're not going to make a clear dividing line you know where there's going to be bifurcation and you have the amateurs playing something different from the pro but what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to change that that tour threshold for what you can do you know with with a with a driver head CC or, or or forgiveness and so you might have to make three or four different models one is you know the current top of the line ball that has, you know, no spin in it and, and you can just crush it, you know, and, and it's super forgiving, but we're, we're have to make one that adds a little bit of spin back on the ball. So tour pros can work it a little bit. Now, probably not the best option for the normal amateur player who still gets to use all, you know, the 460 CC driver head and things like that, but you could almost reverse engineer it to make ball manufacturers create a ball that has a little spin added back into it at the tour level. So guys can work it the way they want to and have as an option. And, and Hey, if you want to still go play the ball that has no spin in it and, and, and launch it, you know, you, it's going to be really hard to stop it. But I just think, I mean, I think what you're, what you're getting back to there would seem is a game in which there's more artistry involved and there, and there, and there's sort of a creative uh, decision that has to be made of like, I can, I can play this ball and I can hit it further, but you know, I may not, you know, depending on the course might have to use a different sort of model of a ball. And I, I may have to get a little creative there. I mean, that to me seems like it's a good, it, it seems like it would be a solution that makes it so that a pro may choose to play a different ball than you, but it's not like, it's not like there's like a, a hard dividing line where you're forced to play something different. You're theoretically have access to all of the same equipment that they do. And I think that's just a better world to live in. It's going to be interesting. I, I'm not sure. I will be on this one, just like everything else on this list of, of memorandums. Like, I'm not sure where they're going to end up with this. And I'm not sure that, that guessing in the meantime is going to get us any closer. But it will. I will be very curious to see what is happening January 1, 2026, whether it's a rollback ball, a rollback, you know, driver, you know, what, what is done? I mean, it feels like something the USGA and the RNA are adamant that something has to be done. 
But if the PGA Tour is not going to adopt the model local rule, that feels like a big sort of stumbling block for what they're doing. Wait, or, what, well, hold on. What if what if Liv Goff said, you know what? We're in on back. <laughs> we're in on the rollback. <laughs> like we we're we're going to be the good guys here. We are team rollback. And honestly, we're going to even create our own team. We're going to create four new guys and we're going to call it team rollback. <laughs> and Charlie's going to be on one. You're be on the yeah, dang team. And I'm on the squad. <laughs> honestly, I love that so much. Like, like in the context Actually, of the golf soap opera, that would be incredible. If you I, know, we're like, I do think the cliques need a rebranding and they, they just need to start over from scratch. And I think team rollback may be their best way of saying, you know what? We can't do any worse than how we've done. We are going to go team rollback. I, I, I love that. I love that so much. I mean, can you imagine if lives like, yeah, we're, you know, and not only are we going to support the rollback, we'll, we're going to play the ball on a trial basis in the 2024 and 2025 seasons just to help out the USG and the RNA. I mean, that, yeah, that, would, that would actually be wild because can you imagine a world in which three of the four majors are playing the rollback ball and the lit and lives playing the rollback ball, <laughs> but on the PGA tour, they're playing their, their own ball. Dude, this PGA is when the sport just gets uh, bent over backwards. And then you got players upset about every, literally everything. And they're already miserable out there, Charlie. They're not happy when they're out there playing. I see them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's Until they check really, their bank account. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's a crazy thing about this entire season is like, I, I think we've had to think about so many things that we never thought we'd have to think about. It's like, you know, golf is a wonderfully com complex game as it stands. And now we're like, Hey, we should uh, try to find a antitrust expert to come on the podcast because we have to understand whether or not this deal is going to go through in its current form. And also we should probably find someone who is like an R and D for golf balls the past 15 years to tell us if a professional 90 would comply with the rollback. You're like, what, like, what are we talking about, man? Like I, I was a journalism major. I don't like, I don't know this is the foggiest thing about like, you know, uh, R and D and, 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 you know, legal and, and all this sort of stuff, but it's, it's, this is the golf world we live in now. Very, very odd sport. Um, and very, very, very interesting soap opera. Um, just recapping the 3M and um, moving it forward to Wyndham next week, the last tour event before we get to the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, Lee Hodges wins. Uh, JT Poston had a shot down the stretch. Um, he he had a risky shot. Uh, narrowly missed hitting in the hazard on 18. He was three shots off the lead. And in, in, in uh, kind of going for it with the ball below his feet, had a nice lie in the rough. He had a chance to kind of reach into on, on the par five, 18th, the TPC twin cities, maybe make an Eagle putt, put some heat on Lee Hodges, who'd hit his drive to the left and who had hit a nice little layup and had a chance to kind of get up and down for, for birdie or make a par, but at least put the heat on him. Uh, and he hits his, he hits that would look like a wood or a hybrid off the, the rocks right in front of the green at the 18th bounces in he he ends up making a uh a triple bogey and uh falls into a tie for second place it cost him a, a large chunk of money um there was some suggestion on maybe not maybe not suggestion on twitter but just it was pointed out that that uh he needed to make a seven to to wrap up solo second make a eight hundred fifty thousand dollars and in falling to a t2 he lost two hundred sixty thousand dollars and he was quick to point out i'm not out here to finish second i'm trying to win i'd make that decision 10 times out of 10 under the circumstances. Uh, I'm just curious what you thought about JT's play there and his response on Twitter. Well, uh, before I get there, I just want to congratulate uh, Lee Hodges and uh, big meds caddy. 
uh, pride of Athens, Alabama. Uh, Lee's a good buddy of mine and it was really cool to see him get the win. Uh, hell of a player hits it straight as an arrow and just dominated, just flat out dominated and, uh, couldn't be happier from him and postman. He's another one of my good buds. And, uh, I will defend him to the end of the earth on that decision. I just think why not? You know, he's, you just don't get an opportunity to pull off a shot to go try to win a golf tournament regardless you know, the, the PGA tour season so long and you just don't get many opportunities like that. I know it was a situation that probably, yeah, I could go lay it up and make a bunch more money, but he wasn't thinking about that. He was just thinking of, you know, if, if I think I can get this on the green and, and potentially put a little heat on Lee, then it was worth, uh, worth, you know, it was worth the risk and unfortunately didn't work out for him. Hit the rock, made an eight, still finished T second. Just checked out his OWGR. He's sitting at 51 right now. Going to jump up even further. Uh, he's, you know, seems to be in a great spot heading into kind of the end of the calendar year, being in uh, all the majors next year. So JT, again, huge, huge fan of him. He's got an awesome game. And uh, yeah, uh, I defend that all day. Oh, and yeah. and, and really 18 at, at the 3M, underrated probably one of the better 18th holes we have on the PGA tour. It, it, we've seen some really cool action on that hole over the years. It's a very intimidating tee shot. And we've seen a lot of drama on that. hole. I think that's a very underrated 18th hole on the PGA tour. I totally agreed. You know, it kind of, I don't know if, if you feel this way um, at all, but it reminded me a little bit of the finishing hole um, at, at, I guess what, what was the Honda classic will be renamed next year, but a PGA national where we saw a little drama there this year, where it, it kind of that same left to right dog leg par five. We, we saw a little bit of you that with more Eric water, Walker's Kirk, more it's water force carry. You get, it's more yeah. force carry. On that you, you, hardly, shot, right? you hardly deal with any water besides the water that's to the right of the green at, at PGA national. You have a thousand yards to the left. And if you're going to go at the green and you miss hit it at all, it's in the water. And yeah, at PJ national, that's not necessarily the case. A little bit more left. Well, you just, the bunker comes in short yeah. and it's not quite, you know, green edge water. It's a little bit more like you can cut something and miss it. It can end up in the bunker short. So yeah, I, I, but that's a good example of any, of any par five you're kind of talking about on tour that has that kind of drama on 18. I, but I think it's fantastic. I thought it was a, a cool finisher and it was, I think in, in especially coming off of the open championship where it's like, uh, I guess at, at 18, they did have that internal OB, but basically watching Brian Harmon just march down the stretch and you're like, he's just never going to give this away. Um, to, to, to have it come down to, you know, Lee pretty much being inside solid, solid control of the tournament and having a three shot lead, but saying, Hey, look, anything could happen here. Like this could get, this could get interesting in the last hole. And then having JT having a chance to do it, uh, was cool. Gave it a little bit of intrigue. Yeah. Um, if I recall, I think it was, uh, Cameron champ made a mess of that hole when he ended up winning that tournament, he hit the wrong, he had driver off the tee, hit it way left, made a mess of it. Uh, I think he still ended up winning that, uh, winning that tournament, but still it, it, it was just a lot that can go wrong on yeah. that hole. So, and so obviously looking ahead at this week um, and, and really at three and there are some guys that really helped their case as we, as we look at that top 70 cut line after this week at the Wyndham uh, going into, oh, the we got FedEx one Cup more playoffs. week. Just, isn't it crazy? I mean, just how fast the season's flown by. Um, 
Aaron Baddeley, uh, his top 10 finish, not only gets him in next week at the Wyndham, but moves him up 17 spots in the FedEx Cup. He's at 92nd now, so he's got a shot. Zach Blair moves up nine spots to 90th. Um, Dylan Wu and Kevin Streelman. Streel's moved up 36 spots to 84th. And and I think, I forget what the streak was, but he's had a, a, a impressively long streak in making the FedEx Cup playoffs that is in danger of, of being snapped this season as they do. They go to a shorter uh, list of players for the playoffs, but with this week he played really well and has, you know, he's got to play well next week at the window, but he has a chance there. So uh, as we look ahead to the Wyndham, uh, we, the defending champ of the Wyndham is a certain Tom Kim, who you'll be speaking with, uh, for this week's episode on Thursday. Uh, I, I just, I wonder what we have to look forward to, you know, both obviously for this next tournament coming up, but also talking to Tom who's 14th in the FedEx cup, you know, this time last year, I did not know who Tom Kim was and and a year later, I am sad that I didn't know him before a year ago. <laughs> so yeah. I'm really looking forward to hearing kind of more about uh, just him growing up in the game. I'm excited to hear about uh, the Wyndham Championship last year and kind of just the full year on the PGA Tour, what it's been like, what he's learned and, you know, just the success he's kind of been having over the last month or so. Um, it's really good when he's when he's playing good, it's great for the game. I just think he's such a high quality guy, a great player and someone that I believe is going to be, you know, continue to, to put himself in contention at big events and, uh, and, and just an all around great dude. Can't wait to talk with him. Yeah. Very excited for that one. We have quite a few, uh, big names lined up the next couple of weeks that excited to kind of have on the show, but yeah, come back here. Uh, join us for uh Thursday's episode featuring defending Wyndham champion, uh, Tom Kim, and that's all we have for this week. And this is the part of the show where I just kind of awkwardly toss it up to you for any final thoughts, Smiley. What, what do you got for us? Did we win by seven shots? He did win by okay. seven shots. I'm going to follow. That's my, that's my parting thought is dang seven shots, man. That's like, that's, that's putting Brian a hurt. That's putting that's a hurt on the field. Right there. <laughs> that's, I mean, we need to, I mean, we just, we need a closed tournament. Like Wyndham needs to give us something, right? It's actually that one Seriously. always delivers. That's always a, a yeah. playoff. Yeah. <laughs> that, I'm very much looking forward to Wyndham uh, as a Donald Ross nerd. That's a cool little course in Greensboro Sedgefield. So uh, yeah, that's what we got for this week and be back here on Thursday with Tom Kim. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. The smiley show is part of the Sirius XM sports podcast network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.